Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your old pal, Spearsy. And Brad in LA. And today we visit again with author Steve Manchester, who just released a new book set in the 80s called Lawn Darts and Lemonade. Lemonade. That cool, refreshing drink. You know what else is cool and refreshing? Whatever Steve's drinking tonight, probably. Uh, it's club soda. Club soda and? And uh, a little bourbon. Actually, I was going to say the 2023 Voyage of the 80s cruise will be pretty damn cool and refreshing, too. Yeah, because all your alcoholic drinks are included in the price. No, because this time, Devo will be the headlining artist, as will The Church and Brett Michaels and Kim Wilde. I feel a pitch coming on. Join Stuck in the 80s in 2023 for a week-long trip back into time on board the Royal Caribbean Navigator of the Seas. Performers will include Devo, Brett Michaels, Kim Wilde, The Church, Howard Jones, Living Color, Tony Watley, The Smithereens, with guest vocalist Marshall Crenshaw, Vixen, Cutting Crew, Midger, Monograph, Tone Loke, and more. And first-time guests, you know this, first-time guests can get $200 of cabin credit just by using the promo code STUCK when booking. Just go to www.the80scruise.com for more information. So why, gentle listeners, are we playing this particular song for this podcast? Because at the very start of the summer of 1984, this song from Denise Williams from the Footloose soundtrack was the number one song on the charts. And today's guest, Steve Manchester, just released a new book set entirely during the summer of 1984. Ah, I see the logic of your madness now, Stephen Q. Spears. It's kismet. Uh, by the way, for those that were on the uh, 2022 Voyage of the 80s Cruise, Brad and I gave away copies of this book as prizes during trivia, and they were snapped up pretty fast. Yeah, they were snapped up so fast, I didn't get to stick one in my pocket. <laughs> I, I, read it on, I read it on Kindle, so you know, I, I, I gave the man his money. <laughs> good man, good man. Me, I'm a cheap bastard. Yeah. Hey, I talked to uh, Steve earlier today about his new book, Lone Darts and Lemonade, and we had a great chat about uh, reliving that year, uh, the things we loved about 1984, which characters in his book are based on real people, uh, and why Kmart was where our families always got our Friday meals. After our conversation, we'll have some fun seggies, but for now, sit back and enjoy this chat with author Steve Manchester. Steve Manchester, welcome back to Stuck in the 80s. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here today. It's been two years since our last chat. That's crazy. <laughs> two years. Wow. You uh, you have a new book. It's called Lawn Darts and Lemonade, Tackling the 80s. And it's right. set in the summer of 1984. And I have to say, I've always been on record as saying 1984 to me was the high watermark of the mm-hmm. decade, with the music, the movies. I, I'm I guessing, agree. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm guessing you have a similar love for that particular point. 
the deck. Yeah, I yeah, I picked it for that reason. I mean, when you look at you know some of the content that I could write about, I mean, just just movies alone, right? Footloose, uh, Gremlins, Karate Kid, Indiana Jones, Ghostbusters, and the list goes on that were released that summer. So it's it's insane. Yeah, so you would have been so if I, memory serves. You graduated in '86, right? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so, so you're a sophomore. So you're like a sophomore. I'm a junior yeah. that year. Yeah, it's just right. That's I, had a, I had a driver's license for the first time. <laughs> Loving it. Yeah, it's fun. Um, by the way, thank you so much. You uh, you gave us some copies of the book. We gave it away on the 80s cruise this this year, and they were extremely popular. Great. Well, I'm happy to hear that. That's my yeah. play. That's the wheelhouse right there, right? That crowd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they just they were attacking me for it. And they, they would come up to me session after session. You have any more? You have any more? I'm like, that's that's all I have. <laughs> I should have sent more. Yeah. So uh, uh, it's a sequel. This book, yes. this book is a sequel to Breadbags and Bullies. I, I remember when we chatted before, you had mentioned that you'd already begun working on the sequel. Did it, did it come along as planned? It did. It did. So I've been, you know, I've been writing for 30 years. I have 17 books. I mean, um, and it normally takes me, you know, six to nine months to write a book. These books, about four or five months in Redbags and Bullies with, you know, the three boys from New England, the three maniacs kind of, you know, pinned up in the house during a Nor'east. Uh, had so much fun with it, but you know, some stories require a little more real estate and this one seemed like that. So for the, again, for the first time in three decades, I decided, you know what, I'm going to write a sequel. And I just pushed the characters into the summer. Uh, and I had a blast for that. I really, really did. So, so for those who haven't read uh, either of the books, can you give us kind of a re- quick recap of the plot and the characters? Yeah. So Breadbags and Bully starts off with, you know, three boys, uh, kind of like preteen getting into their teenage years uh, in 1984. So they're stuck in the house, they're in Nor'easter. The parents end up getting stuck with them, so it's absolute mayhem. Uh, but the fun part of it is, I, w- I was able to bring in a lot of, you know, references from that time. So while they're playing, you know, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred and, and uh, you know, eating pop rocks and doing all that fun stuff, um, you know, dreaming about these girls wearing, you know, Love's Baby Soft, uh, I'm able to actually give a few lessons. But it's kind of a coming of age book, meant to be incredibly fun, but also to show, especially for my kids you know, to show the innocence of that time. I mean, we didn't, we weren't on social media. We didn't have, you know, phones that were kind of uh, tying us down. So uh, we were a little bit wild and, and and I love that. And I loved being able to, you know, my dad had passed away three years ago and not only did I love, love the eighties, so I wanted to write, you know, a love letter to the eighties, but also a wink to my father to say, Hey, thank you for, for everything that he did for me and my siblings. Uh, so he plays this major role in the book and, and, uh, you know, he's not perfect, but he was perfect for us. And it was just that, you know, that hard nosed, uh, you know, tough love type of deal, you know, from the 80s. So fast forward again uh, to the summer of 1984. And we're able to get into, you know, everything from the beach to the carnival to cruising the Ave, driving movie theaters, going roller skating. You know, it's a summer of first, so the first kiss, the you know, the first time one of them, you know, tries to take a drag on a cigarette and all that stuff that that kind of defines who they become as adults. Um, and it was an easy write for me because it was very reminiscent and some of it was autobiographical, but the research was so much fun to go back and take a look at those movies and, and, and you know, some of the music that we were playing at the time and to put yourself back into that place where, you know, you, kind of, you have some of those same feelings and, and thoughts. Uh, and it was so cool. And, and I, I really missed it. I kind of longed for the 80s as I was writing the books because uh, I look at my kids today and people call it progress, but uh, I think you and I had it better, Steve. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I, I kind of know. So 
some of the characters really stand out to me. And I, I need to know if they're really based on real people in your life. One is, right. uh, is the girlfriend. Is yes. That- no, she was actually fictional, right? So she's a culmination of girls that, you know, I crushed on as I was coming up through school. Um, so she's kind of a boiling pot of, of, of that. Uh, I will say this, the boys, so I have an older brother, Bill, uh, who worked in NASCAR for years. Uh, so he's Wally. Um, I my character would be based on Herbie, and then my younger brother, who's a full bird colonel in the Air Force, is Cockroach. Okay. Yeah, and, and they, you know, it's tongue in cheek, so they'll laugh at it because it's clearly embellished. It's fiction, you know, but it's based on, you know, the way we came up. What What about the ant with the skin tags and the slimy kisses? Yeah, she's uh, she's also kind of like throwing a bunch of people into a blender, and this is what came out. And I I kind of made her creepy in that sense. I had a cousin that that, uh, that approached me a couple of years ago when the first book came out and I asked if it was his mom and I was able to look him straight in the eye and say, no, it was not, you know, not his mom. But what I didn't tell him is, um, you know, she's, she's a part of that character as are a couple of other women that, you know, scared me a little bit when I was a kid. <laughs> I have to admit, I, 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 people who listen to the podcast know I, I I'm not afraid of saying I, I cry occasionally, but right. <laughs> probably cried more than i want to admit at parts where the family is gathered around to remember the the father that just passed away yeah 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 and it was a combination of me so so the book helped me to grieve um but what i love you know i think probably my greatest skill set as a writer after these 30 years is to take something that's very dramatic hopefully real and relatable uh, but something that's emotionally deep and get people to laugh at it right uh because these characters are laughing at themselves uh, and they're keeping each other honest. And again, my father, you know, was not a perfect man, but this was kind of a perfect way for me to say thank you to him and, and to say goodbye. Uh, and I just, you know, threw him into the eighties and kind of, you know, rewound it a little bit. Um, so I'm grateful. I was, I was grateful for the experience of being able to, to write it and also to be able to speak to you and, and some of the other readers and how they took it. Because to me, the people that have lived through it, uh, I think it is very relatable. Yeah. The, the moments where Herbie is embarrassed by his dad, uh, right? Were, were some were some of those moments real? Yeah, the they were. Yeah, no, they were. They were. And this is me being being a dad myself now. Thinking back, like I'm sure there are times where I I, I have now or, or did embarrass my children, and I think back of those times when I felt that way as a kid, and I feel shame for that, um, because my old man was doing the best he could, you know, that type of deal. But again, it's all about keeping it real with yourself, right? And uh, you know, if it wasn't for my father, I wouldn't be who I am today. So uh, I think in order to have characters that make you want to turn the pages, they have to be flawed uh, to include even the protagonist. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that being said, there were parts of this book where I laughed so hard. I woke up my wife and the, the, <laughs> the, awesome. one, the one thing that I've told everyone in my family is that I'm reading this book. And the author mentioned the chopped ham sandwiches from Kmart. Yes, Kmart. Yeah. I, that was I a big up, feast. I, I, I grew up on those. I mean, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, you're the first person who's ever mentioned them. I mean, yeah. I, I was starting to wonder if they even existed. Yeah, like one slice of meat. If you held it up to the light, right, you could you could read a book on the other side of it. And it was funny. I, I think my father paid what eighty cents for a plastic sleeve of them, and that was like a feast on a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, and I, I look back now and I think, wow, that's some of the, you know some of the best memories. You know, we, we, we didn't have a lot, right? But we had each other. And, and that's one of the reminders of me, you know, to me that, you know, you can take a kid to a toy store, but if you spend time with them, that's probably, you know, you're probably better served to do that. 
Yeah. And, and, and of course, the other through line in the book is is the country time lemonade and how it, <laughs> how it, yeah. how it gets weaker and weaker as the, <laughs> as the summer goes on. Oh, man. Right. That's, yeah. just, that's so that's so relatable. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, Steve, the, the joy, too, is a lot of it was kept, you know, some there are people that get into uh, the ancestry and the DNA stuff. And I think it's cool, right, to, to do the family legacy. So for me, when I write this stuff, I went to my family and I asked their permission and said, I will not be cruel, uh, but I am going to embellish and fictionalize. I'm a novelist, right? So like even the carnival that they they hosted, you know, in their yard, you know, that was my mom's idea. And it was for the Jerry Lewis telethon. And because of that, you know, there's a couple of people in my family that host yearly fundraisers, right? Because of the fun that we had there and, and, that, and that feeling that it gave you. So um, sometimes if you look back just long enough, you can see how your parents or your childhood inspired you to do some of the things you do today without yeah. even thinking, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I know I've talked to my family about both those things after reading your book and I don't know so much. It was the lemonade with us as it was. My mom would make Kool Aid, but she put <laughs> she put like not not even near the recommended right. amount of sugar. Right. She yeah. like she put a thimble in there, and so you right. end up getting this slurry that was just awful. Just, <laughs> just yeah, the scullered water. Yeah, you'd, you'd go into a friend's house and they'd have, they'd have Hawaiian punch, and you'd be like, "This is it. This is right." Yeah, we've hit is, the lottery. Yeah, that's my goal in life. <laughs> but I would it. I, you and you and I both have that that mind for nostalgia and, and the ability right. to to remember these details from growing up. And what's kind of I don't know if it's sad or disappointing or if I feel proud about it. But when I go to my family and I I I, I share these stories, half the time they just or three quarters of the time they just say you're flat out lying. <laughs> like that right. never that never happened. I'm like it, it most certainly did. It sure did. Absolutely. Yeah. So. If they're if they're if if they're if they continue this this nonsense with me, I'm going to write a book about it, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll see yeah, who gets I'll, the last laugh. I want to read that book. Yeah, I, sure. I, I love that both books in this series feature um, a really interesting time transition angle that you use, and it's such a great storytelling device. I, I are you drawn towards stories with time travel or? or time transition. And I'm just curious, were there any movies when you were growing up that you loved for that reason? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, back to the future, that type of stuff. So, you know, the, the seed was planted early. Like my grandfather was an amazing storyteller and he planted a seed in me. So today when I think about storytelling, what I really try to focus on is perspective. So when you can put somebody like today and we use, we use, you know, the dad's wake and funeral for this, but you know, they're, they're all grown up and they're, they're, they're you know, sitting uh, Shiva, right? And, in, in, um, you know, is a term that I use in the book, but they're mourning, right? They're, they're in grieving together as a family. And then for them to remember, to go back, and then we use, what, 80, 90% of the content in the book back in the 80s, and then you, you flash back to where they are today. So really, you know, when you start off with people crying, and then you explain why they're crying. And then you come back to that first scene, that opening scene. I think it's very powerful because now, you know, it was my dad in the book, but the hope is that when people read this, it reminds them of their dad or their grandfather, right? And, and it becomes an emotional experience for them as well. We're kind of in a unique time now in popular culture where there's a, a definite and kind of a prolonged shift back to the 80s. That right. There's the Cobra Kai series on, on Netflix. There's the sequel to Top Gun. 
there's the, the HBO series about how the LA Lakers grew to part prominence in the eighties. I can't wait uh, to see that. Yep. Yeah. It's really good. I, as a Boston fan, I'm going to warn you, your city is, <laughs> your city is not treated well in this series. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Thank you. Uh, all my Boston Celtic fans, I've been kind of ribbing them about it and they just, uh, uh, Larry Bird comes across as, uh, a, quite a the monster. Villain. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, that may I, be accurate though. <laughs> I had no idea until I saw yeah, this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Are you surprised that the '80s revival is is still going so strong? I'm I'm not, and I'm going to tell you. I I think again, when you look at technology, communication, what what everybody calls "quote unquote" progress, uh, I think people long for a simpler time, right? So, I think you and I kind of ended that with you know what I mean, like our generation. Uh, where we were able to have that freedom and go out and have fun. And it was very innocent. Um, I think we might've been the last of it, right? We might've been the last of the kids that rode our bikes and, and went and played in yards until the, the street light came on. Uh, so that's sad, but you know, it's nice to be able to share it with, with, you know, with, with our kids. Um, but I can see why people long for it. Not to mention as hokey as it is, when you look at some of the television shows or the movies and, and uh, you know, the music, it was phenomenal. I mean, I, you know, and I still listen to that stuff and I'm like, wow, I, you know, you could see how it inspired future generations with their music and some of their storytelling and film. Um, so I hope it continues on. I really do. I, you know, I, I love nostalgia anyway, but the eighties for me is that's the sweet spot. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. last time we talked, I asked you, uh, the traditional podcast time machine question, which is right. that stuck in the eighties has possession of a time machine. And we can offer you a seat on it to go back in time, anytime that is, and relive, relive a moment, change a moment, uh, wh- whatever you want to do with it. Back in 2020, you mentioned wanting to go back and see MTV again for the first time. <laughs> right. Um, right. And yeah. it, because this is one of those rare instances when we, be, when we have someone on the show more than once, I, I'm able to offer you a seat again on the time oh. machine. Right. So now that you've got a second opportunity, what moment in time would you go back and witness or watch again or even change? I think I probably, you know, I'll tell you, you know, when you think about it as an adult, right, with, with, with no longer having a sense of fun, right? You know, in 1984, Apple came out with their first personal computer, right? So you think about people like you and I, had we invested, right? We, would, <laughs> uh, we wouldn't worry about it, right? And this is when a gallon of gas costs a dollar ten. But if I'm being realistic at that age, I probably would have sat in a theater and not left until I saw every single movie on the big screen. And I was able to see a few of them, but I didn't get to see all of them. And knowing what I know now, I think I would have camped out, Steve, <laughs> and saw every one of them from the Terminator Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, it's just crazy. Purple Rain came out, Nightmare on Elm Street. It was all in that, you know, that one year of 1984. And I think I would have focused on that. Yeah, that's, that's time well spent, my friend. Right, right. So if, if people are looking to pick up a copy of uh, Lawn Darts and Lemonade, uh, or even the first book, Bread Bags and Bullies, uh, where should they go? Amazon.com. That's the place to do it. So you can get it, you know, get it on your, your iPad or your Kindle. Uh, you also, we also have the paperback version. I think they're $15 each, but uh, yeah, please. I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm all over the place. So I'm approachable. If you know, you are a fanatic of the eighties as I am and, and you are Steve, uh, I, I suggest that people reach out to me. I'd be happy to sign or personalize books for you. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's, it's that, those like-minded people that I love to talk about. Cause for me, when you write a book, it's like the first half of a conversation. And then when you speak to somebody about the book, that's the second half. That's, that's me connecting with other human beings. Right. So uh, that's the joy of, of the writing for me. 
is any chance we'll see a part three with these characters? I got to tell you, I've done some shorts. I'm going to send them to you. Um, one of them is just cockroach and fish stick, right? Which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but these, you know, and, and every time I'm thinking, well, I'm done. I don't think I am done. I, I mean, I may be done with them, but I don't think they're done with me. So I wouldn't be surprised. I'm working on some pretty heavy stuff right now. Two books that, you know, toward the deep end of the pool. But I can see after I come out of that pool, uh, I'm going to want, you know, something a little more lighthearted. So I may get back into the 80s because I just love doing it. Steve Manchester, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it as always. Such a great guy. I really enjoyed this chat. I love his answer to the podcast time machine question. Going back and seeing all those movies in the theater for the first time. Yeah, these days it would cost a fortune. I, I, I maybe go to, I don't know about you, but I go to like one or two movies a year. Um, I think, in fact, when we saw Top Gun Maverick the other week, it was the first movie date that me and the missus had been on in our three years together. It's the first movie that Katie and I had been to see together in, I can't remember how long. We both were sitting there like, what was the last thing we saw together in the theater? I know we've talked about this. I saw Dune in the theater, and that's the only other movie I've seen in the theater in the last, what, two and a half years? I used to always make a point to always see the Star Wars movies in the theater, mm-hmm. but I just don't, I enjoy them less and less. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, 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 um, I, I, weirdly enough, though, I'm, a, I'm addicted to the Obi Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus. I haven't started it yet, but my daughter is really enjoying it, and I'm, I'm kind of just waiting for a time when Katie and I can sit down on the couch and watch it together. And sitting down on the couch in this house is a little bit of a challenge right now because we're having the place painted. Oh, no. The whole place is just, I got to tell you, listeners, we're switching over to home improvement. If you hire someone to paint your house and they're painting like the whole downstairs or the whole big, just move out for the week because it is insane. I always wanted a bar in my office, but I didn't really want to relocate my home bar one bottle at a time into the floor of my office because there was no place else to put it. Oh, God, that'd be so convenient here, though, for me. It's a little dangerous for those long, boring sales meetings. You really do you really like crack one open during those? No. <laughs> okay. It's a good story though. Anyway, um, it's 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 a fun book. I read it in lightning fast time. And like Steve says, you can find it on, on Amazon. I, I downloaded it for my Kindle and it's fantastic. Sounds like a great beach read. I'm excited to read it. You know what else is a really good beach read? <laughs> the the seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for it must be time for our favorite two seconds again. It seems like forever since we've done these. I know. I don't think I was here the last time you did. Them. No, it was uh, Chuck Coverly. I think stood in for you. You were having one of those weeks. Oh, you know how it is sometimes, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the man is keeping me down. Yeah. Uh, this is a mystery movie moment. In fact, I'm sitting here staring at MMM. What does it even mean? What does it even mean, it Brad? It's one more M than regular M&M's, which means it's really great. Do you like M&M's? Oh, I love peanut M&M's. Oh, oh I love peanut yeah. M&M's. That was my uh, go-to snack in college. I, I had so. a brief flirtation with almond M and M's, but those are maybe not there. Maybe they're not made anymore. But I don't see them in the store as much. So I back to my old friend Peanut. There's, I, I like. Um, there's a bag now that has peanut M and M's, regular M and M's, and peanut butter M and M's all mixed together. Mm, okay, that's nice. I'll tell you what I don't like are the pretzel ones. Those are just that's an abomination. Yeah, yeah. Some things just aren't meant to be. 
That's one of them. Yeah. Anyway, this segue is meant to be. Uh, we'll play a snippet from a movie from the 80s if you get it right. You're entered into the drawing for the uh, postal-friendly bottle opener. See, that? that's what everything comes back down to. That's what's right. Right makes might. Absolutely. Or no, might makes right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm watching. Sight I, makes I hate, to get off, <laughs> I hate to I hate to get off on a tangent, but I'm re-watching season two of... Um, for all mankind on okay on apple tv yep. and season two is the season that's set in the 80s mm. so all the music but they have I, the episode i was watching today had acdc's back in black for when gordo stevens makes it back to the moon oh um that's there's awesome some tom there's tom petty there uh it's it's a, it's a fun season for 80s fans uh and i know season three has started but i i, I said i was going to rewatch season two and nobody Nobody cares anymore. So that's not true. We'll I know just, at least one listener who is very uh, intently viewing season three after recently watching season two. Uh, and I'm also watching, I just started watching Future Man on Hulu, which I guess has been out for several seasons now. It's basically a raunchier version of the lost of the last Starfighter. Huh. Well, it would be hard to be much cleaner. Yeah. No, I mean when I when I say raunchy, there was a couple of moments when when I was watching the first episode where I was like, "Oh my!" <laughs> and, and you know, and we know how jaded Steve is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to mystery movie moment. Um, cast your mind back to God, whenever this was, episode uh, probably three six thirty two, maybe thirty one. Uh, here was the magical mystery clip. Say the words. I want the roast beef sandwich. Say the words and I'll give you a piece. That's Diner, which just celebrated 40 years, by the way. That's shocking. Those guys are all old now. They're old. We keep talking about trying to do a show on this, but to be honest, it it never quite landed with me in the 80s. And even when I rewatched it, I just kind of thought, sort of not feeling it. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we could do one. (laughs) We could do one. We'll see. You know, you'll, you listeners, if you, we get to that point around episode 800, we're like, here's our big three-part diner introspective. We're like, the guys are running out of gas, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Each show is 10 minutes long. Uh, anyway, we had some winners. Why don't you read them? Ah, this week's winners include Brock in North Dakota, Kevin Serving Wench, Dale in Portland, Chase in Ecuador, Mark Ram, Todd in Minnesota, Gordon Shumway, John from Los Angeles Center, Kentucky, Dave in Kansas City, and Commander Bourbon. Commander Bourbon and I email each other now. Well, uh, back and forth. It was his day yesterday. It was Bourbon Day. Yeah, National Bourbon Day. Did you celebrate? Uh, I texted one of my friends. It was National Bourbon Day. He's like, every day is National Bourbon Day, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I did. I had a Manhattan. Actually, oh, okay. I had two Manhattans. <laughs> uh, Commander Bourbon and I are, are sending each other um, a little like, it's 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 late night. We've had too much of the... Of the brown thunder. Oh, and, I'm sorry, um, Commander Bourbon. You can just forward those to me, and I'll take care of those <laughs> emails for you. No, they're fun. They're fun little fun little uh, thing about collecting them into a into a book someday. I don't know. We'll see. Um. Anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's uh, mystery movie moment. Thor. Sarah. Oh, Thor, mighty god of thunder. Who is this kid? If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. Right, there you go. Ooh, See? You went up and got that. Love it. Still, still, it's still National Bourbon Day. And tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. 
Ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune, or as we call it here, NT80ST. Mm. I love me an abbreviation. I am an engineer, so I have to acronymize everything I can get my hands on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice touch on the lowercase s, though. I think it's important. You know, the forms must be obeyed. Uh, you know the drill here. We'll play a snippet of a song. Uh, song. Song. How do you pronounce that? Song. The g doesn't talk that much. Song. Song. So it's more of a. It just kind of lands. It doesn't land with a thud. People are going to hate this show. I really don't care. Uh, if you if you get it right, you're into entered into the drawing for the postal friendly bottle opener. Which, if that was the uh, drunk driving test, I would never stop drinking. Pay attention, <laughs> he says suddenly with authority. Here was the clip from the last time we did this, Seggy. That's he could be the one by Josie Cotton. You recognize this one, Brad? Yeah, I did. I did. And some some listeners picked another Josie Cotton song, but yes, uh, this was the one that we were looking for, so to speak, from the Valley Girl soundtrack. Yes, and um, yeah. let's see. I think Lou Greeley wrote in and and said, "Oh, I have this album." Wow, and it's called Convertible Music. I was listening to it earlier today, and it's. I'm sorry, Ms. Cotton. It's pretty forgettable. Um, the, sh- the longest track on the album is three minutes and 35 seconds, I think. And everything's oh, no. in the, like, the 245 range. I mean, it's just like little radio tracks. I mean, I don't know. It's it's better than any album I've recorded, but it's not. That's true. There's nothing jumping out of the speakers at me beyond. I think he could be the one and, and Johnny, Are You Queer or the songs everybody knows on that one. The, the band I was in, Epic Trash, in the 80s. We, we didn't obviously release an album because that takes money, but we recorded our own cassette and we made a bunch of copies of it. And somewhere around here in the office, I have one with the hand-drawn cover. And Do the you have the, the tape was, still? Yeah. Oh, please send it to me, please. please. <laughs> I'll, make, I'll make you famous, Steve Spears. I'll make you internet famous. You'll be like it's, an E-list podcast celebrity. Yeah. It's, it's called All Tomorrow's Parties, which was a title of a song by the Velvet Underground. Perfect. And oh, and another weird news. So I think somewhere on the podcast before I've, I've talked about the fact that uh, in high school, my senior year, we did a lip sync con- competition. We won. It comes up from time to time. It's probably <laughs> been a, about a year and a half since we've talked about it. So, you know, any freshness up for the new listeners. Any, so lip, lip syncing, there was a lip sync competition once a semester, my last two years there. And I think it's a tradition. I don't know if it still exists today. Probably not. So it's probably well. For the no, best. now if you want to go, if you want to go to a lip sync contest, you just go see Britney Spears perform. Yeah, ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they would have a. They had this professional outfit come in and like dress up this the stage like a real concert stage with you know real big amps and concert lighting and dry oh, ice and dang. the whole nine yards. And so you, all these people would come out and you would dress like the band and do it and all that kind of stuff. And one year, one year when we did the Blues Brothers, and then the the one year we did Frankie Goes to Hollywood with Relax, oh, and oh, my dad, oh. <laughs> we won. And my dad was there and shot video of it, which I've had for. Oh, you know, do you have this video? I do have the video, and here's what's interesting. So I, 
Um, the missus took it to New York last week to one of those companies where they take your yeah, where they do transfers. So they're going to create a digital version of it. <gasps> oh, once we have the digital version, guess where it's going online? Somewhere on stuck in the eighties land. I'm excited to see that. I just want to see, you know, young Spearsy full of life, mustachioed and and ready to go get some. Yep. It's it's he spends a little dad spends a little too much time videotaping the sun and not the overall performance. But well, you know. It's fine. That's what <laughs> anyway. we're here for. I don't care about the rest of those Yahoos. Anyway, back to Josie Cotton. Some people got this one right. You want to read the names? Nothing would please me more, sir. Winners this week include the tromboner. Kevin Serving Wench, Mike Wally Walters, Hopeless Donnie, Cliff from somewhere north of Detroit, Chris in Huntsville, Lou, Sweet Lou, Greeley, Stony Stitt, Plane Pulling Tom, Dave in New Hampshire, but nowhere near Canada, and Shan Nichols, who writes, I'm listening to the current episode, and I hate to share this news, but Jacksonville is known for four bands. Of Uh-oh. course, the ones that Steve listed are the big three, but he overlooked... And I can't say I blame him because they are the epitome of trash music, too much meth, and possibly payola, Limp Biscuit. Oh, wow. Just typing that name makes me want to put on a Jaguars jersey, show up to a Waffle House at 3 a.m. drunk, and scream, Duval! at the top of my lungs. <laughs> Gross. Now I need to go take a Silkwood shower. <laughs> oh, Shan, you never, you never fail to entertain. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and while we're while we're issuing corrections, uh, last episode I sang the praises of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Perhaps you remember this. I do. And I, do. I posited that it might be the best movie ever made that's set in Oklahoma. And this is what happens when you shoot off your mouth, Spears. Two people wrote in about the SE. I've created this out of thin air. The SE Hilton, the SE Hinton Criterium Collection. Stony Stitt reminded me of Rumblefish, and Donnie Gettle rhymes with literature reminded me of The Outsiders. Uh-huh. Duh. Both are based on Essie Hinn books. Both were directed by Francis Ford Coppola, whose star was kind of in the weird place in the 80s. And both are set in Tulsa, Oklahoma. In my defense, I did say it might be the best movie ever made that's set in Oklahoma. I think it's on Hulu right now. Ghostbusters Afterlife? Yeah. I I think they're handing out copies in the U.S. mail right now. I mean, it's everywhere. We're going to watch it um, based completely upon your recommendation. (sighs) I hate it when that happens. So, um, maybe not, I should spin the wheel to change the topic here. Do that. Let's do that. Okay, here we go. Ready? One, two, one, two. Ooh. Oh, I popped my back. Good. And looks like it's going to land on uh, Gordon Shumway. Excellent. Gordon, uh, email us your postal address and we'll. Brad, are we, are, we, are we up to date on the. I have a few to send out. Um, okay. And I'm pretty sure that's not his real name unless the alien from ALF is listening. <laughs> ah, didn't catch that. Well done. Touche, Gordon. Touche. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery song clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at satds.com and tune in in a few weeks, maybe a few months. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Just keep tuning in, please. <laughs> yeah, we need the, we need dues. We need dues. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this commercial break. This country time reminds me of a hot day in 22 when I was stranded in the middle of nowhere. 
and the prettiest girl I ever saw rescued me with some delicious cold lemonade. Country time tastes just like that good old-fashioned lemonade. Not too tart, not too sweet. Country time lemonade flavored drink with natural lemon flavor. Country time, country time. Did you ever see that girl again? Yep, I married her. Tastes like that good old-fashioned lemonade. <laughs> hey, so everyone knows kind of about our Patreon program where you can join up and you get invited to our monthly happy hours and get exclusive blog content and stuff like that. But Brad and I have a new idea that we're going to do starting as soon as this show ends, we're going to record another show. A thing, um, a thing of, of talking about stuff. So we're going to do a bonus podcast that you can only listen to if you're a patron. So we'll do VIP uh, talking access. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> uh, what are we talking about today? I, I guess we shouldn't tell them. I don't want to, I don't no, want to let people's them. appetite. No, it's, yeah. you know, it's going to change. It's Super going to secret be based. stuff. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do it. There won't be there won't be any uh, '80s cruise promos, or I don't know that they'll. There probably won't be any seggies. I don't think they'll, they'll do seggies. The seggies belong here. The seggies are for yeah. the people. Yeah, it's, they're democratic. Uh, this will be balls. more. Uh, this will be more fascist. So we're gonna we're gonna start doing those. We'll do one, and um, you know. Hopefully that will get some of you off the fence and you'll, you'll join us. And the other thing we're going to do is we'll open it up. And so a lot of the shows will be based on your suggestions. So if you want us to do, do a show about cartoons in the eighties with third wall breakthroughs, <laughs> this is your time. Oh yeah. Talk to me about the breaking the fourth wall. It's the fourth wall that you really fourth want to worry wall? about. What happens if you break the third wall? It's just, that's you just, just going into the guy. next room. If you break the third wall. <laughs> This is what happens on National Bourbon Day. I'm telling you, you know, celebration never ends. Anyway, you can find out more by going to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Uh, that's all we got for this week. I hope you uh, enjoy the interview with Steve Manchester. Consider grabbing his book. I'm telling you, it's a page turner. I enjoyed it very much. In the meantime, Brad and I will be right here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Every time he pulls me near, I just want to Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>